welcome back to another episode of De Stefano Talks, talking Scottish football. This is episode number 12. On the podcast with me today, as always, is Lewis Laird. Lewis, how are you doing? Good, Stefan. Cheers. Pleasure, as always. Also on the show, uh, we have a recurring guest, Mark Cunningham. Mark, you're all the way in Spain, but how are you doing? Hi, all good, mate. All good, Stefan. Um, how, how are you doing? How are you doing, Lewis, as well? Hope you're all good. Aye, not too bad. And we also have a new addition to the podcast. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, or more than a couple of weeks, for the next wee while, Declan, how are you doing? Good, mate. It's good to be on. Um, obviously, we will recap both those games in the Premiership, as we normally do. But also, the Scotland team uh, is set to be out tomorrow, um, to be announced by Steve Clark on the, the players that will join him as Scotland attempt to qualify for the World Cup in Qatar in 2022. Um, so we'll come on to that and we'll sort of go through the names of who, who we think should should be in Steve Clark's team. I think it picks itself, but we'll go through it anyway because uh, we don't have many other talking points with there only being two Premiership games. Um, so let's just start off um, really with those two games. Uh, Livingston versus Hamilton. Uh, quite a, a tight, even affair. It ended 2-1 to Livingston and sort of David Martindale's team can, you know, they solidified a top six place um, after a, a great season. But but what did you guys think of the game, Lewis, if we start with you? Yeah, no, it was, I think it was two, three goals in the first uh, 40 minutes or so, which is probably not what you're expecting from Hamilton versus Livingston. You should probably expect more of a goalless draw or something, but it seemed like a good start to the game. I, I mean, the first goal and the second goal, to be fair, both great goals. Great finish by by the Jet, as he's called, and it it was a, it was a decent game, and certainly one that Livingston will be happy to get back to winning ways, especially after the last few weeks and you know the cup final disappointment. But they're sort of getting back now. Uh, Mark, I uh, uh, as you said, top six secured nicely for Livingston. Uh, got to be seen for the fit for the fit and proper David Martindale. A very very good achievement to get them a securing in the top six. Always a tough place to go for many teams. And yeah, I was really, really impressed with the quality of, the quality of goals, especially. And I'm going to actually, uh, great from the way, from J. Emmanuel Thomas with a lovely touch, and, touch turn and finish, really. It's basically strikers, uh, bread, bread and butter, touch, turn, finish, you know. Um, and it was great coming in from, from a throw-in. But it's the equaliser that I was really impressed with was the, for actually for Aki's, was uh, Brian Easton's tackle basically makes that goal. It wins it back in the middle of the park. It's a superb slide tackle. And then it breaks uh, to Walt to Callum Smith and he's, he's ran, he cuts inside beautifully, takes off, takes on the Livingston defence and fires it right into the far corner. It was an absolute beauty. Declan? Uh, just to echo what Lewis was saying, it was, it was probably not the most appetising fixture for the neutrals, but it was a was a decent game with glimpses of quality, obviously with the Jets' goal, probably showing a glimpse of why Arsenal gave him a cap at, uh, appearance, I think, um, at the start of his career. So, And obviously the equaliser as well was a was a nice finish. I thought that um, I thought Pittman and... And J. Emmanuel Thomas linked up quite well, and I, they were in the end they were too much for Hamilton to handle. And I think Levy probably did deserve to nick it in the end. And obviously, what an achievement securing the top six finish with the budget that they're on. So, yeah, you mentioned the budget that obviously Livingston are on. It's you know a phenomenal achievement considering maybe you know three or four years ago they were 
they were in League One and then they were in the Championship. So it is, it is a fantastic achievement um, for Livingston. You know, watching the, the replay um, of the Jets goal, as it's called, um, I think that's goal of the season for me. Um, and I know the season hasn't, hasn't ended, but so far I'm, I'm yet to see a, a better finish uh, score that I don't know what you guys think. It's probably up there. I, I'd say, I'm trying to think of one off the top. Ryan Jack's finish against St. Johnson for Rangers, I think, was... Was a was a great finish in terms of the kind of game as well. That's possibly a game in previous seasons that they might have dropped points or got a draw, and it was looking like it was going that way. And he pulled some strike out of nowhere that I've never seen him do before. So I think mm-hmm. in terms of the quality of the finish and how important that might have been, it, it's probably up there as well. But I, I, I couldn't really argue if they gave it to to his finish for the the Jets finish for his technique. It's brilliant. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, look, it's a great, great bit of skill. I think people were comparing it, saying it was Terry on esque in terms of the flick up and the finish right in the top corner. I think it'll be a bit short in terms of goal of the season. As Declan says, Ryan Jack's finish is probably definitely like up there with the volleyed effort, but it's an incredible bit of skill and finish, to be fair to him. Mark? I uh, absolutely um probably I would I would agree that probably they'll they'll I'd certainly think that Ryan Jack, Ryan Jack would feel hard done by if this goal was to beat him for um for for goal of the season. But it, it is um I, I like I've, I've had a wee, a, wee, a wee chuckle there at the Thierry Henry esque the Thierry Henry's <laughs> comment there. But really, as I say, it's just that it was it was a fabulous fab, uh, fabulous finish. But do you know what I will say about that game as well? And actually, the second goal was for Slev Levy's second goal from Pittman is actually really really good uh, move. Really good, a really good move from the team. Great cross for Nicky Devlin as well, by the way. And it was a, a, a bit of a, a um, fortunate fall into the path of him. But I don't know if anybody uh, anybody clocked Josh Mullins' effort. By the way, this would have been this oh. would have been goal of the season. Uh, the it just cuts in cuts in and it hits the bar. It was an absolute it was an absolute cracker. That would have definitely if that would have hit the net. That would have been goal. Of the, that would have been goal. Of the, that would have probably easily been up there for goal of the season. What a strike that was! You feel really really hard done by that that never nestled right into the top corner. Um, obviously, the Jets goal wasn't the only decent goal in the game. We also had um, Smith's equaliser. Um, I thought that was a stunner. Um, you know, I, I think someone mentioned that Brian Easton picked the ball up off of J. Emmanuel Thomas, gave Aye. the ball to Smith, and he, he drove forward and took a took a hit. Um, I tell you what, I thought the goalkeeper's positioning for that was he, he always looked like he was scrambling to get there. I, it was a great goal, but it was a shot you, I suppose you would expect the, the keeper to save. Maybe it caught him, caught him off guard. I don't know, but it was a, it was a great equaliser. I don't know what you guys think, um, Mark. If you fancy, I was about to say, if you fancy a goalkeeper's point of view, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you as a for the last time. Uh, I would say I, I can really see where you're, I can see where you're coming from to, be, from to be honest with that. But with that being said, see when you've got somebody cutting across like that, your defence. You've got a lot of people in your way, so you can sometimes get you can sometimes get a bit uh, a bit sort of blocked. You can, your view can get obstructed slightly by the defenders, and it's just it's kind of the way he's hit it as well that he's kind of as an old Scottish word to use, he's rasped it a wee bit. He's just he, he's hit it really hit it really really well. And sometimes a keeper there, you don't know whether he's going to maybe close his foot on it and try and reverse it back to you, or whether he's going to do what he did and go for the far corner. So it's a hard one because it's just one of them where it, it's that it's that well hit. But uh, I would be putting it down to a good strike by the boy, but, uh, by um, Callum Smith before I was maybe 
wanting to criticise the goalkeeper, but I can certainly see where people are coming from with his positioning. Perhaps could have moved his feet a wee bit quicker. That could have been one to say for that one as well. Uh, Stefan, you know? Um, Lewis? Yeah, no, I think Mark's hit on the head there in terms of... You can see it from your point of view. Maybe he could have done better, but I think there's so many bodies in front. It's it's a great finish for Smith. He gets some amount of power behind as well and just finds the bottom corner. McCrory will probably be frustrated with himself because I'm sure all goalkeepers are, unless it's one of these top goal, uh, top corner goals that impossible to save. He'll always think he can get across and he'll be disappointed at that. But it's a great finish, and I think it's maybe a wee bit harsh to blame the keeper completely. Mm. Uh, I think Hamilton will need more of the same of that if they want to stay up because I think mm. it's I think it's one of the hardest things to predict who's going to go down because they seem to they seem to do it every year but they'll definitely need more of the same. Just quickly touching on that, do do you think Hamilton will go down? They are now three points behind Ross County. Um, I think what well, is there like five five games? No, there must be about six games to go now. Six, guess, well, yeah. not five. One more before the split and then the split games. Yeah. Yeah, so six. Um I I'm I'm gonna put my my head on the block here. I'm gonna say Hamilton are Hamilton are gonna go down. Um might not be automatically, but uh I, I don't see them coming out of tenth coming out of eleventh place, to be honest. I'm gonna say I think they will go down via the the Relegate the relegation playoffs or the, the premiership playoffs. I don't know what do that's called. Do you know what I was just about I was just about to say that you need to take into account now that we've got the, the structure in where we've got the uh, the the playoffs as well. So would you would you turn around and say to yourself, would you fancy one of the potential winners of the the of the sort of the championship uh play up like the, the second third or fourth like the fourth with the playoffs there? Do you would you fancy the winners to beat probably any of our bottom three teams just now? Uh, I certainly, I said, but then, yeah, again, Hamilton Aki's as Declan very, very correctly pointed out, has been. Uh, they just seem to have this bug at the end of the season where they just seem to grind and uh, and just seem to be able to survive by the skin of the, just get through with the skin of their teeth, you know. Mm. So uh, I'm actually going to put my head out in the line and please, uh, and and uh, I'm probably going to suffer for this on Twitter at the end of the season. Uh, I think that Aki's might stay up, and I think they'll stay up. And they win their the winner relegation playoff. There you go. There's a prediction. <laughs> I, I think if you look at the the championship, there, there's teams like Dunfermline, Wraith Rovers, Dundee, Queen of the South, all sort of will be facing to get to the the Premiership playoff final. So if Hamilton come up against a Dundee or a a Dunfermline um, or even a Wraith Rovers. I, I don't know why. I, I just fancy the champ, the chances of the championship side. Um, I don't know if that's more in a hope sort of sense, um, but <laughs> I definitely, I definitely think they are in, they are in trouble. Um, and as as Arco Marnock, because they are languishing in in twelfth place, and that's that's not where you want to be, especially for a club the size of Kilmarnock. Um Anyway, let's let's move on from that and move on to the other game. It was Ross County versus Hibs. Um, what did you guys think of that game, uh, Lewis? Yeah, no, it's quite strange. It seemed to be it's 
Typically, Scotland, wouldn't it? It's going to be nice weather first half, and then it's absolutely pouring in the second. So it's probably something you don't miss, Mark, to be honest, over in Spain. <laughs> no, mate, it's, it's, it's like 20, 23, 24 degrees. I've, and this is at like 10 in the morning. It's nuts here. It's boasting in the morning. So, no, I don't I don't miss it at all. I don't miss it at all, mate. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you expect here. But no, it was a decent game overall, I thought. Again, it was a big one for Hibs. I thought getting, getting those three points could be crucial in securing that third place. And stretching away from Aberdeen with, with the game in hand it's, it's a good right there's some decisions dodgy decisions we'll say from John Beaton that'll be talked about I'm sure but they'll certainly be happy with three points uh, Mark? Uh, yep absolutely uh, do you know I'm going to I'm going to and I've I defended a goalkeeper there I'm actually going to have a wee I'm going to have a I'm going to have a wee go at Marciano here and I'll tell you why right uh, now I thought that he actually see for the see for uh, Billy McKay's goal I don't know if the build-up to the goal, the ball's in the air for an eternity. Now, it's not as if it's just floated in. The boy's it's physically been punted up into the air and it, it actually ends up halfway in his, in his box. I'm, I would be expecting my goalkeeper to come out and be cleaning house. The ball's up there for a good three, four, five seconds when the, as it's basically just returned back and then it ends up getting ends up in the box, breaking to Bally McKay, fabulous finish. But I, for me, think, I don't know, I don't know what you guys think. I was watching it and I thought to myself, I'd be a wee bit disappointed with my goalkeeper there. I don't know why it'd be hypercritical, but especially, especially try to be a bit, a bit of, conf, bit of confidence. Oh, went into the second half, fifty minutes. Of the the half, your half's just started. Calm your defence down as they've just come out after half time. I don't know what you guys think about that. I, I, I was wanting to ask you about that. I think that I've got. I think the first half was on the whole. I think it was just there wasn't much action. I don't think there was a shot on target in the first half. Um, and then, as Lewis alluded to about the rain, I think that's what actually brought a bit of action to the game. There was a couple of dodgy decisions and fiery challenges, and I just think probably as an important win for Hibs, and I think that they've just done enough. I think they had more chances to score, but I think Ross County, looking back, will be disappointed. Didn't take a few chances. I think one fell. Was it? I can't mind who it was in the box, but they had a few. They missed a they missed a, two settles in the box right after each other, and I think that um, just to go back to you talking about the relegation, I think County are in trouble. Just chances right. like that, you miss you miss them, you get you'll get punished for it. So I think County could be in trouble because of that. But as I said, I think Hibs done enough, and I think that um, obviously they had they had quite a few chances as well. Obviously they had Nisbet on the bench who scored now 14 goals, I think it is, this season, mm. after this goal to win it for them. So I think when you've got players like that coming off the bench, um, you've obviously just had too much in the end. But, yeah. OK. I, um, oh, no, sorry, oh, sorry, Steph. I, uh, sorry, mate. I, uh, I have I need another great, uh, basically another great uh, winner from... Uh, from Kevin Nisbet and Declan's absolutely spot on it was that Keith, Keith Watson had the chance in the box he's kind of slipped as he's hit it a wee bit and it's cut it straight at Marciano and then the follow-up was the follow-up was basically was based, was like a, it was like a volley in the warm-up for the goalkeeper it was just kind of knocked back into his hands again by the by Ross County Centre I, was Ross, I think it was the Ross County Centre forward that was at the time as well uh, and yeah uh, just 
basically a fabulous, a really, really good uh, three points for Hibs. And I really, I've got to completely uh, agree with what Declan says as well about Ross County there. And under new, under the new management of uh, as well of Yogi, Yogi of uh, John Hughes coming in, and that wee bit of trouble, aren't they? I, th- I think, I think when you look at it on the context of the the season, um, it doesn't look good because Ross County. Um, shouldn't be in tenth place. You would expect them to be in about eight, uh, seventh or eighth. Um, I think mathematically they still are in trouble, but I, I genuinely can't see if I have to put Hamilton and Ross County picking up more points towards the end of the season. I'm going to say it will be Ross County. Um, so as much as they, they are in danger mathematically, I don't think that they are in danger like realistically to to go down. Um, I, I don't know, you, you guys might disagree. They've got a tough game coming up away to St Johnson who need to win to get into the top six. So that could be... It's looking to me likely that they're going to lose that game before the split. So Kilmarnock are at home in Motherwell, I think, or maybe away to Motherwell. I think that's a tough game as well. So, But I could see there's more chance of Kilmarnock maybe nicking something in the Motherwell game than there is Ross County away to St. Johnson. So mm. I'm just I'm looking at Hamilton's game there. They're coming up against St. Mirren who are also trying to um you know stake their place in the to to virtually be in the top six. Um so again it, it's very interesting. Um it makes like for an interesting relegation um story. But I I don't I don't know there's just nothing that's going to convince me that Hamilton will will manage to to come out of of eleventh place going upwards. But I think I think the games at the weekend. What you can say is come out of them. The team that came out best was Kilmarnock with those two results. There was both mm. Hamilton and Ross County losing. If they were both to win, they could have stretched away. So they'll be happy with this weekend. I'm intrigued to see. Obviously, the, the next games coming out will be crucial, but the split games will be will be brilliant to watch. To be honest, in the bottom half especially, they're all facing off against each other, and it could. It will decide who will get relegated and who will stay up. So it'll be intriguing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, was it a penalty for Hibs? Uh, Martin Boyle was uh, criticised by uh, uh, John Hughes and said that the last time he'd seen a dive as good as that, the guy was wearing uh, speedos. <laughs> I don't know why. I found that, <laughs> don't know why I found that funny. Um, it was just a classic one-liner. Um, but you know when I watched it. I, I think there was a nudge on him, and I think in the, the sort of the the realms of the game, and you know, if you touch and the player goes down, it is a penalty. But I thought it was soft, and I thought he was looking mm. for it. Um, I, I don't know what you guys think. Hundred percent soft. I agree with you. I think that the Ross County defender, I don't think he could see him coming, and he just his natural reaction was to it was moving towards the ball. He wasn't thinking about the man. I don't think. And Martin Boyle, obviously. But then I suppose that is the good thing about having players like him, like nippy players that can nip in and get you the decisions. I don't know if... I think it was soft, but I have seen them given. Um, like the, they can be given, and it's just... It's, it's one of the ones that's unfortunate for the Ross County defender, and it's, it's been that lot. It's obviously, as I go back to, like the luck just doesn't seem to be going for them, it? and that's a decision that could cost them, obviously. But... Mm. Yeah, but it was a harsh decision, I think. Lewis? Yeah, I, th- 
look, he's he's it's clever from Boyle. I think he's looking for that. He's going in and he sort of sticks his leg out. Well, I would say I think I wouldn't be blaming John Beaton too much for this one in terms of the way Boyle's jumped in. You can see maybe he's it's soft, but it's a foul. He only gets to see it once. We have seen many replays and obviously we see and think he's bought that, but he sees Martin Boyle running at pace and we know how quick Boyle is and he's went and won that penalty. The one that got me was the second one that Boyle was definitely a dive and oh. it annoys me when uh, referees don't do anything about that. He's not given anything, so it's clearly got to be either a dive or a penalty, what, one or the other, you know, but he's just mm. he's just left it and skipped by it and that kind of be a crucial point in the game with Boyle on a yellow card. But see the see even going back to that, like Boyle's kind of known for that for that. Like he's like he's like that. He's not if put a bad tag on his name, but he is a kind of he's he's tries to outsmart the ref and he will look for them the kind of opportunities and their decisions. And I think that I know you I agree with you that saying that John Beaton can't really be at fault for the penalty decision, but I think that he's got to be more wise in terms mm-hmm. of how Martin Boyle is a as that type of footballer and as you said he should have been punished for that I think that dive was shocking <laughs> the second one uh, in the box. I I agree. I think he's fought the I, I go back to the John Hughes's uh, comment about the speedos. I think that Martin Boyle fought in the second half of the pitch and turned into a swimming pool. Honestly. <laughs> uh, because the, the the second dive is an absolute disgrace. And I agree it's a second it's in a set, it's in a time of the game as he gets booked, he's off. But then mm-hmm. is that John Beaton bottling it? Has John Beaton bottled it to, to book him? Well, he really should, for me, certainly. for me, should for me should have. He needs to if you if you want to, if you want to cut diving out of football, you need you need to get your cards out when you get players diving. Now, the first one buying the penalty, yes, there's caught there's a bit of contact. I agree, I'd agree with the I'd echo the comments of everybody that it's yeah, definitely soft ones that you've seen given in that category. But the second dive is a total disgrace. It's just it just knocks it in front, and I know you. I, I, I get hit with this argument a lot. What happens if he dives and wins a and wins like a Champions League final or wins a World Cup final for you? But at the end of the day, it's still he's still dived. It's cheated. He's cheated. He's dived, and he's looking. He's looking to try and deceive the referee. And again, mm. I, I, I've been the same the same boat as Declan. I don't want him. I don't want to tar him. I don't want to like tar him. I don't want. To, I don't want to tag him. We are all names. So to make it very clear, I'm not calling him a cheat. But what I am saying is. I think in general that some diving as a form can be can be obviously interpreted as a form of cheat a form of cheating if you get what I mean. I think for me, um the first one was soft. I'm not gonna say it was a dive because it wasn't there, there was contact on him, so he had every right to go down. Um and I don't dispute anyone that does that. Um if you feel contact go down. I th- I think a lot of managers would urge you in that, that situation if you feel the contact go down. But the second one was abysmal. Uh, mm. You know, John Beaton's staring right at it, and he, as Lewis mentioned, you either, you know, you book him for diving or it's a penalty. You can't just move on from it. It's one of those, you know, calls in the game that, that you have to make, and strong referees make those kind of calls. If you, you look at the, the game in England yesterday with Arsenal and Tottenham, Lamela had a few opportunities where he was getting away with stuff that, that should have been a booking. He then got booked, and although he, he took the ball, um, it, it was sort of the intent. It, it was reckless, and he got booked for it. He then swung the arm at, I think it was Tierney, and got sent off. Big referees don't bottle calls like that. If players are being given chances and they don't, they sort of don't take them, 
then they've got every right to, to be sent off. And that's the case for Martin Boyle yesterday. Is he, he should he should have seen red uh, at some point in the game because that, that dive was was terrible. And then when you take into account the, the challenge that he, he actually got booked for, um, I, I thought that was a sending off as well because he jumped in. It looked, it looked two-footed. Um, so, yeah, Martin Boyle is a lucky boy. Um, I, I don't know you guys might disagree, but I, I think he's extremely lucky. I, I agree with you. I think he is lucky. I think it was 100% a second. I don't think anyone can argue it was a second yellow card and he's a red. He's, he should be off the park. But um, to go back to your comment about the first challenge, I think initially it looks worse than what it actually is. I think he is late, but he kind of slides over. and I'm, I'm still not fully sure, but I think it was. It was a yellow card, I'd say. I'd agree with it being a yellow card. I don't know if I suppose you really, you couldn't really argue if it was a red, but I think it was a yellow. But there's no doubt about that second one that's a yellow as well, and he should be off. And obviously, I think that could be crucial as well going into the the remaining games because if he's off, he obviously he's one of their most influential players. I know they've got a few, but he is one that really makes them click. And obviously, like next they're away to Levy, and we all know how tough. As to go to Levy and break them down, so I think him being available for that one could be it's like a small margins again, but it could be huge. Mm, I think he could. I think he could receive a receive a ban because he didn't get yeah, booked for the could, dive. Yeah. I think he could get yeah, a yeah, yeah, ban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think Hibs will be fine. Like with that, with those three points, they will be fine in terms of they're six points ahead of Aberdeen. Yeah. They should. Well, we don't know with Hibs this season; they're a bit inconsistent, so they should be fine. And if Boyle's sort of sent off in that game, that could cost them. So it's more about probably Ross County's effect that they they've not received. So playing against ten men when they really should have with Martin Boyle. He just as a wee as a wee quick side note, as you mentioned Lamella there, my, I just started smiling. I think I think the Premier League's goal of the season categories kind of <laughs> uh, wrapped up a wee bit with that. Aye. Anyway. What a finish that <laughs> was unbelievable. That was I, I good, wasn't it? I didn't see the goal because um, I turned in after half time and. I was hearing them, they were talking about this great goal for Eric Lamella, and I was like, I wish these guys would shut up. It can, you know, you're talking about this great goal, it can't be that good. And then I seen it at the end of the game, and I was like, oh, I fair does. That was a crackery. <laughs> it's not even the first time he's done it, that's the thing. Nah, I know. the technique, but to get it along the ground with that power. And it wasn't <laughs> even like he had a kind of big swing. It was just like, it, was, it happened quite quickly, and he just, he got so much power behind it. I thought it was effort. something that uh, TPC and Sawgrass was on it last night in the golf as well. It was like one of the wee punch shots that you get out of the team. <laughs> so you just punched, like, skip it, skip it onto the green. It was like one of them. It was, was as if he took, took a five-iron punch out of his, out of his left foot. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a great finish. Um, I know one, a guy that's been on the podcast before, James, he's, a, he's an Arsenal fan. He'll, he'll be happy with that. Um, but... I, I, I kind of go over how good a goal that was. Um, mm. Right, let, let's move on. We've covered both both uh, the games that we had to cover. Um, obviously, Steve Clark will be announcing his uh, Scotland team tomorrow. Uh, I'm just trying to... I was looking at players that could be and maybe should be um, in the team to help Scotland try and qualify for the World Cup. Um, I, I think a lot of people will say, well, to be honest, Stefan, that the Scotland team picks itself. And it, it's hard to argue with that um, because the players I've noted down all played in the, the Serbia game. Um, but I just wanted to get what you guys thought. So I'll, I'll name my team. You guys don't have to name everyone. You can just tell me if you, you sort of agree with it. So start off with goalkeeper. I've put in David Marshall. 
Yep, absolutely. I think Penal- the only the safe. only thing is the he had an injury recently, so he's missed a bit of action. So I, I'm not sure if he was back at the weekend. I need to check for Derby, but I do know he's had an injury recently, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Craig Gordon starting. Okay, I I, I love yeah. how you always do that. You bring I'd, in. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Marshall, but obviously if he's took a knock, then I mean I think Austin are obviously coming into this game with like sixteen or more other players. Mm-hmm. So I think um, not that you're taking a huge punt putting Gordon in because I still think he is a solid goalkeeper. But mm. I think yeah, I'd go with Marshall if he's fit. Yeah, he was on I, the bench in the weekend, so I, I suppose yeah. they'll see him training. But I wouldn't be too surprised to see Gordon starting. And I wouldn't have any dubiety over Craig Gordon starting either because the point is if David Marshall's not if David Marshall's not hundred percent fit, I know I just as you heard me there say the penalty their penalty save hero, if he's hundred percent fit, then he plays it's, he's a Scotland number one now and it's and it's mm-hmm. it's his jersey he lose. Uh, but the thing about it is if he's not fit, then there's no harm in getting another a very, very good very good solid goalkeeper as well and Craig Gordon um back into uh, back into the Scotland fold as well. I don't. I don't think there's uh, any issues with that at all. It's not like in the last squad. Sorry, Stephen. It was John McLaughlin would have been the third keeper, but I think somebody like Liam Kelly could be in a shout. Of, maybe not starting, but I think he'll be in a shout of getting in the squad with the performances he's had recently. I was going to share that um, because I, I would. I would put Kelly in ahead of Gordon, um, and that's not because I've got an agenda against Gordon. <laughs> it, it might be, um, but no, I would, I would be having John McLaughlin or uh, Liam Kelly in before Gordon. Um, but definitely Marshall should be should be number one. And th- do you know what? There's something about Craig Gordon. I think he's overrated. And I I think his time at Celtic kind of shows that. Like, yeah, okay, he did. He won everything that, that he sort of could have won at Celtic. But seeing big games, he, he was not that great. You look at Inter Milan, 3-3. You know, mm. he had some absolute howlers for Celtic. Was it Leipzig or Salzburg he threw the ball at? Salzburg, yeah. Salzburg, I think yeah. The game was, I think the game yeah, was done anyway, but um, I, I, I agree. I don't know about overrated. I don't think he was like... I do I do get what you mean in a sense where like, the Celtic support that obviously I think hindsight's a wonderful thing. Let us see that he go back and mm-hmm. see that he go back and say now we shouldn't have let Craig Gordon go, but I can tell you right now, at the time he left, I was not, I was not caring at all. I thought it was the right time for him to leave. Maybe it was hard done by behind the scenes. Where maybe I think there was talk of like his way, like his wages were were they getting cut or he wasn't really getting what he thought he deserved. But mm-hmm. I, I, I did not. I wasn't up in arms about him leaving. And I think it's obviously, as I said, hindsight now that just because Barkas got because when Barkas was signed, I think everyone was excited about it. And obviously, he's not performed to. To his maybe full potential that mm. what he maybe expected, but I think there could be several factors to that, and he may come good. Who knows? That's a, that's a debate for another day. But um, I, I just I wasn't up in arms when he left Craig on, but I still think he is a solid keeper. And I think that watching Hearts a few times this season, you wouldn't think they would be tested that much, but when he's been called upon, he has made some good saves. So I think he still is a decent keeper and in terms of the Scotland call in terms of the Scotland squad I'd, I'd still have him there as the kind of number two Okay um, right let's go for the, the defence I noted down Robertson Gallagher McTominay Tierney and O'Donnell um, I think Scotland play with the back three and then have O'Donnell and Robertson out wide um, and then obviously back into the defensive position when, when defending but um, I noted those guys down any disagreements? 
I'd sorry to go again, but I'd I'd probably not. I'd maybe a controversial to some, but I'd have O'Donnell out the team. I'd have uh, Liam Cooper in the central area, and I'd put Tierney out right. Just I know Tierney's probably not as effective outright, but I still think he is. He's he's world class now, and I still think he is a really good player. So he'd still be brilliant outright, and I think I just I just don't rate O'Donnell personally. I think um, that for me the stalwart, the one that has to be in for me in the performance against Serbia was McTominay. I thought Scott McTominay was was fabulous, and people will moan about the corner with with uh, with Luka Jovic, but. He basically, he beat him at Declan Gallagher, him and Declan Gallagher pocketed um, Mitrovic for basically all of the game and Tierney basically dealt with Taddy and it was really, really, it was it was really well worked through that, uh, for that defence. So I think McTominay and, and Gallagher, they have, for me, they, for me, they two boys, they, they two boys uh, uh, have, have, have to play. Um, who else decides? Who else uh, decides to put in whatever? Obviously, Robertson will play left left wing back. That's uh, that's a given. Although there, um, although I've seen uh, a, a few arguments to switch him and Tierney, but for me, no, I, I can't see that. The thing about Tierney is Tierney can play left centre back very very effectively. Uh, the debate about Adorno and Tierney that's uh, probably another one I've, I've seen as well. I've thought. Uh, but obviously Declan refers to as well. But for me, I I think just to make sure that we've got we're good centre halves that are in there. I've seen a few arguments for Scott McKenna. For me, Scott McKenna should can sit on the bench beside um beside uh, sit, sit on sit on the bench for this one. And no disrespect to him, but it's got not anything to do with me with him personally. I wouldn't have him in the in the team if it were me. But I just think the way that Gallagher and McTominay performed. Uh, in that game in Serbia and I think they really really deserve to to, to be in the starting lineup all the time in centre half uh, Luke? Yeah, I think I think we're expected to sort of see the, the same back five some people might be frustrated with McTominay playing there but because he's been he's been, he's been quite good for my United in central midfield but I'd still keep him at that right centre back position he helps yeah, us so much in terms of get, getting out and playing from the back people like Gallagher there might be some Sort of discussions about that and whether he should play. And there's also some outside shouts for the squad. I think maybe the likes of Jack Hendry, who I don't I don't expect to be called up, but him and sort of Jason Kerr, they they could maybe be a chance. I don't think they will, but there should be at least be discussions. I think in terms of these person, this could be a chance for experiment experimenting mm-hmm. for the Euros. But yeah, yeah, that, expect to be more the same. That's what I mean as well. Like, I think obviously. I don't think any games are given for Scotland to go in and win, but I think obviously they've got a lot of absences, so um, I just feel like Scotland are still going to be a... See if you move Cooper in, you're, t- you're essentially moving him in for O'Donnell, but putting Tierney out. Mm-hmm. Right, I still I think that's a stronger defence, because obviously Liam Cooper's Premier League defender with Leeds. I think mm-hmm. he's used to playing in, obviously, high-intensity think- games. And you've With got Cooper, nice I think he sort of dropped out the weekend as well. I'm not sure if that's injury oh, or whatnot, it, but yeah. I, I'm not sure if it's injury or if it's just what, what's happened. But mm. if he gets picked in the squad, I'm sure we will be fine. He'll certainly be an option. I can't remember if it was Liam Cooper or it was uh, was it Palmer. I think it might have been Palmer. Yeah, all right, okay, I've just googled. It was Palmer. Um, right, no, that's fine. I was about to argue with you there, but you've I've got the two Liam. <laughs> no, Palmer is well, not starting him. 
Right, no, that, that, no, 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 no. That, uh, that performance, I still have nightmares about his performance in Kazakhstan. I'd rather uh, see somebody like Sean Rooney in there than Palmer. Yeah, yeah, I think he definitely does deserve us. He definitely deserves a shoot. I, I think I'll agree with you on that Declan about O'Donnell, maybe for Cooper. Um, I don't know about Tierney playing in the right, though. Um, I, I think he is more effective, obviously, on the left. As a 100%, left yeah. I just um, think he's stronger than O'Donnell still on the right. Yeah. No, if I'm talking about what I think Steve Clark will do, I, I don't think he will put Tierney on the right, but I'm just speaking from a personal level. Uh, mm. I'd probably rather see Tierney there. But I, as you said, it's it's obviously Tierney's more effective on the left. So, In the future, I think we'll be sorted in the right-back position with somebody like Patterson, who's looked really good for Rangers so far, but I think it's a bit early for him with this squad. Yeah. I definitely. Um, yeah. The midfield, I put... Jack McGregor McGinn. Um, any disagreements with that? I, I would. I would be going with Armstrong. that. There's yeah, maybe shouts for Armstrong. Yeah. I could see Armstrong going there, but I, me personally, I'd stick with that too as well, Stefan. Yep, I, I can't see any. I thought again. I thought McGregor and Jack worked really, really well together in Serbia, and mm. even, and when they uh, just in general were just. They seem to complement each other quite well when they're playing in the Scotland team. They know their roles. And John McGinn, John McGinn's just he's just he's just an excellent footballer. He's basically like he's basically just can't have him out of your Scotland team. Yeah, um, uh, to I be think honest. he's unjobable. Yeah. Uh huh. The now, anyway, he's certainly unjobable. The way he plays for Aston Villa, it's as if it, he plays every single game as if it's his last. You know, I love players like that. I love players like that. You know. I think for me, Ryan Jack um, in Serbia, him and McGregor, they played so well together. And Jack really, as he does with Rangers, he does the dirty work that other other midfielders don't, and he, he gets stuck in. Um, and just you know the the way him and McGregor combined, I I just couldn't couldn't drop either of them. And as you say, McGinn is is virtually undroppable. Um, Can. Can I, Stefan, can I throw a, a bit of a bombshell down, if you don't mind? I go uh, for This it. could be a bad one. I would drop Christie and put Turnbull in. <laughs> um, we spoke about this before we, we, we came on, and I'd, I'd agree with you, but it's, it's, it's where you where you fit them in, I think. Um, it depends, because I, I don't know. Like Christie, Christie seems to do a shift for Scotland, and he still, I still think for Celtic, he... One thing I've always said this season, like I know he's got a hard time for his his like shooting ability and his crossing ability, but see in terms of how much he runs and he works kind of hard. So he's he's important to have in there, and obviously it's quite maybe quite. I don't know. I think Tumble would probably thrive, but I think it is obviously it's his first time getting called up. So uh, it's a oh, first, no, no, it's abs- a- absolutely, mate, absolutely. There's no arguing. I, one thing I will never, I'll never. Um, I'll never uh, accuse Ryan Christie of doing is, is, is never putting a shift in. He always he always runs his heart out. I'll mm. give him his due there. And that's obvious every time uh, every time we all watch Celtic, whether whether it be at Celtic Park, well, hopefully soon, um, or um or whether it's or whether it's on the TV, you always see him um running, you always you always see him making an effort. I just uh, I just feel as if a lot of and I know I'm kinda it sounds as if I'm slightly contradicting myself with what I said about the defence with uh, the, the guys really playing well in Serbia. Obviously, Christie scored the goal, but scored their goal over there as well. Uh, but it's just it's just the thing, that as, especially with Turnbull playing so well on form as well just now, 
Uh, and it could also be an incentive for Ryan Christie as well, because see if he sees Turnbull getting played in front of him the next couple of qualifiers, and maybe up his game for the, the Euros. And that means that you've always got great when you've got players that are hungry and that are getting up. So sometimes being dropped out of the team isn't the, the worst thing that can happen. At sometimes it can be the making of a player getting dropped. It can maybe give them a wee boost and maybe give them a wee shot of energy that says, hold on a minute, I need to go and get my, my jersey back off of whoever's playing in front of me. Do you know? Mm. I, I get that. Um, I accept that. I would like Turnbull in the Scotland team. Um, I... I I'd like him to be in, in the team, but I, I don't know if, if Steve Clark would, would drop Christie for him, but I think it would be a good option to have. Um, right, let's move on to the strike force. Um, Scotland have got Dykes, Griffiths, um, Burke, and some would say they've got McBurney. Um, I disagree with that. Um, so would I. Who would you start? For me, I would start Lyndon Dykes. I don't know about use, but I, I think his performances, the way he brought the ball down, his hold-up play, it just everything he did right at Livingston to get on the move to Queen's Park Rangers was everything he, he, he sort of, you know, everything about him, just he, he did it for Scotland. So I, I would I would have him in my team. Um, any disagreements? Nope. Nah, I'd agree with you. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I'd be saying going with sort of Dykes and Christie up top again. As Mark says, I think... Turnbull deserves to be in the squad at least and he probably deserves to be in the team based off if we're going on form. I think in terms of system, Christy suits it perfectly in terms yeah. of Dykes is up there for flick-ons, chasing Everton down, you know. The thing about Dykes is he's actually not been in great form. I don't think he's scored in 23 games since uh, November time, so he's not, been, he's not been at his best recently, but I think, again, he's maybe in a similar vein to Marshall. I think he starts anyway because it's not like the options are are much better in the way he plays it just suits the system perfectly no I think Oliver Oliver Burke and Oliver, and Oliver McBurney no disrespect to the both of them but I don't think that they're in the that they're even uh, anywhere oh. near the picture to be starting for Scotland how um, many goals have they had uh, this full season I think have they scored like one each one of Burke was like a deflection yeah <laughs> and then the thing about that for me um, I know, I know. Um, I get exactly where Lewis is coming from with the flick-ons, but I'm going to return to the point that I made um, the last time I was on about when I was getting annoyed about El Yunusi playing up front with Edward. It's when we were playing, a, when Celtic were playing a three-five-two. As I hate this midfielder playing up with a striker, I love two out-and-out strikers. But again, another argument that could shoot me down here is the fact that Griffiths hasn't obviously had, haven't been having so much game time. You know, he's not had hundreds and hundreds of game time. But for me. Um, if it were me, I would be looking to start up uh, Dykes alongside Griffiths. A reason for also experimentation as well, and for getting them to sort of make a get a bit like, understanding of each other. Because if you can get the both of them fit and fired, and that would be my strike force that starts in June, would be there too. Dykes, Dykes to do all the dirty work and hold the ball, out, and Griffiths to play as a can play as a, on the shoulder as a last man, and he'll, Griffiths will chase everything down, and it just gives you another a couple of, op- couple of options there as well, you know. I'm not saying this to be controversial at all, but Lee Griffiths isn't good enough for the Scotland, uh, the Celtic team, let alone the Scotland team. I don't think he should be anywhere near the picture. His fitness for Celtic has been nothing short of an absolute shambles. And the only reason that Lee Griffiths is talked about in a good light by Celtic fans is because he scored 40 goals in a season six years ago or five years ago. Um, so. Aye. It's a, it's a big no for me. Um, if I had to have anyone up front with Dykes, it would be Kevin Nisbet. Um, but it, it certainly would not be 
uh, Lee Griffiths. Uh, Nisbet's a great shout, Stefan. Do you know uh, that? But do you know what I was going to say? A wee red back. herring. A wee red herring about, about, uh, about Nisbet. But sorry, I wee thing to say about it. I don't want Nisbet to get the Lauren to end up with the Lauren Shankland. I remember when Shankland was, was tipped to play for Scotland. Oh, all the excitement, all the thing. And he's not really kicked on in a Scotland jersey, has he? Um, I know you could have not been given the opportunity, but obviously there's been a, there must be a, a reason for that. Uh, you know, so I don't want, I don't know. Do we really think that? Do we really think that he's ready to go and make that, make that step up again? That could be a great idea to call him up for these two games, and then we'll be able to see for ourselves uh, before in time before the summer. Because obviously these these qualifiers are obviously again of massive importance as well uh, for us um, for the for the World Cup, of course it is. But again, we've obviously got to look forward to the summer as well. That's another thing we need to always have that in the back of our mind, and some decisions need to be made for. Uh, for preparation for that as well because it's the thing about international football is you don't get a lot of time with the players so you need to and if you're trying to prepare yourself for a big tournament you need to try and get as get as much out of um, these international breaks as you can no, I, I with Nisbet as well that he's, I think that was his first goal in two months um, maybe I think it was um, so if you're talking on form I, I mean I tweeted back in when we actually were playing Serbia and stuff like that I, I said that Kevin Nisbet should be in that squad ahead of Ollie McBurney and I still kind of stick by that but um, if you're talking about deserving a call up now I suppose as you said have them in the squad maybe but on form he's kind of obviously didn't get his move he kind of well I don't know but we're here he's maybe threw the toys at the pram and handed in a transfer request so maybe um, right now is not the right time but then again I, it's hard to say because obviously uh, Ollie McBurney and um, Oliver Burke are in the squad so it's like the one of the about, ones where you, you go sorry sorry the thing about Ollie McBurney um, is and people will say oh it's because he he's a Rangers fan or oh it's because he doesn't do that I don't, it's not the case at all I just don't think he's a very talented footballer and the fact that someone paid £20 million to bring him to Sheffield United still blows my mind um, you know when he came on for Scotland he, he took a penalty and he took it really well and he scored it really well but then he went and played Israel and he missed an absolute sitter and any sort of good word that I had to say about his taking the ball to the corner and the, the penalty missing a sitter against Israel um, which would have done the Nations League a, a world a, a good he, he, he ruined it so um, no uh, agreed I, I, I agreed mate absolutely do you know why I agree with you because a lot of people accuse us and, and our, us as Celtic supporters of not being of not liking all of it burning because he doesn't do the huddle and the rest of it which is absolute nonsense if I, if I personally for me Ryan, if I was going to be with that attitude, Ryan Jack couldn't be in my starting lineup, and I was virtually thinking that Ryan Jack is one of the first names in the team sheet in the Scotland team just now. So it's not that case at all. It's the fact that he's just, he's just, he's just not, he's just not very good. He's just, he's just not the the now. Now I, I, I hope for Scotland's sake that he can improve and somehow maybe kick on. But for now, in in this present moment in time, if you're if you're the other team and you see him noted on the team sheet in front of someone else. You know, to us, you know, it's not a guy that it strikes the fear into your heart when he's playing like, like Lyndon Dykes. People will watch that game back against Serbia and be like, oh, God, we're the, the centre half will be like, we're in, for a, we're in for 90 minutes of getting absolutely tortured off this big guy. 
Aye, no, because the likes of Harry Maguire, they've already played against Sir McBurney and think, oh, it's, it's this guy, but see if somebody like Dykes would be dangerous. Just quickly, with regards to the summer as well, I think a player who hasn't been mentioned, maybe forgot about somebody like James Forrest's got, got to play themselves back in. I don't think he'll be in this squad, but it'll certainly be interesting to see come the summer if he's played himself back into contention. You know, so there's a few players that probably got a chance to, to prove himself over the next few months, and you've certainly got the best chance of doing that in the Scotland squad that'll be announced tomorrow. I used to have I a deep line. Sorry, um, I used to have a deep line hatred for James Forrest because I felt, oh, this guy just sits out in the wing and he doesn't, he doesn't do much. But then one of my mates, I'm not going to mention him because he'll, he'll uh, rip me for actually uh, praising him. But telling me about how good James Forrest is, and he gave me all the stats, and it, it sort of changed my my outlook on it and said, well, he actually is rather influential. Um, and sort of underrated um, for Scotland. So I definitely think he should should be not maybe not in this squad, but I definitely think he should be in the team for the Euros. Where I don't know where we fit him in, but I think he's a player that you sort of have to fit into the puzzle. It's good to have the wide options as well because I think that like Scotland going forward are struggling to create chances. You've got a guy up top who likes to head the ball, but you've got nobody crossing balls into him, so it's. It works. It kind of it's obviously worked to get to qualify. I think, but that is one criticism of Scotland has still been that they don't score enough goals, and it's hard to see where a lot of goals might come from. And I think if you get Forrest and Ryan Fraser, maybe I don't know his situation fully, and I know he's been kind of in and out maybe of the Newcastle team, but um, I think that having wide options because, as I said, Dykes obviously likes. He's a big physical striker. He's going to be effective if you put balls in the box. So, and that's one thing Scotland weren't doing enough. So, yeah. Okay. Um. Let's let's wrap it up there. Um. Obviously, for a for a podcast that we didn't expect to have a lot of talking points for, and um, we've managed to last the full the sort of full uh, episode. Um. I want to say a massive thanks to Lewis, Declan, and uh, Mark for all coming on. I really appreciate you guys um taking time out your day to do this as always 